support for Recovery Talks, the podcast, and rockandrecovery.com provided by Ohio Means Jobs, Summit, and Medina Counties. Recognizing that looking for a job can be tough, especially if you're also navigating a path to recovery. Ohio Means Jobs, Summit, and Medina Counties offer career coaching, support services, and training for in-demand careers. For more information, summitmedinaomj.org. Direct from Akron, Ohio, the epicenter of modern recovery, this is Recovery Talks, the podcast. From those in recovery to those working in recovery, meet those who are shining the light on Recovery Talks right now. So our guest today is 152 days sober. Congratulations, man. Thanks, man. He's a Cleveland-based musician who's remained active, an active figure in the Northeast Ohio music scene for better a better part of two decades. Wow, that seems like a long time, right? Do yeah. <laughs> you think back and think two decades? That's crazy when you think about getting closer two decades, to twenty right? years. Yeah, he's toured recently nationally with such bands as the Shootouts and the Outside Voices and the Buffalo Riders, the Featured Players, and Burning Down Broadway. That's a band I didn't know anything about. You know, you know oh, we can I talk, need to talk about, about that. I want to. In addition to all of that, he has been in the studio and worked in the studio for a lot of other groups. He also is a local print journalist who currently serves as the editor of a weekly newspaper. No pressure there, right? There's no pressure, right? <laughs> Just once a week. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's well, less right, pressure than a daily. Right. So we like to joke around, but Kevin and I have had a lot of, lot of different discussions over the past, uh, gosh, bunch of months uh, as he started this journey. And I was really honored to be part of his early part of his his journey i guess we should we should talk about how, how do we get here you know what i mean how does it how do we decide at some point there's generally recognize a lot of stages of change mm-hmm. with recovery and uh, by the way i should say hello kevin how are you doing hello mark saying, i'm okay, good cool. man thanks for having me so the stages of change uh that are generally recognized in when you move into a position of recovery is the what's called pre-contemplation mm-hmm. that's the nope not me I, I didn't do it. Uh, that DUI, nope, it was just a bad night. Um, you know, I got mad at somebody, did this, which, well, I didn't know I was drinking that much of this, or mm-hmm. I didn't know those two combinations would do this. Nope, that's not me. I don't have a problem. The next stage is the contemplation stage, okay? <laughs> and that's like, well, I might have a problem. I might have a problem. I don't know. It looks like, you know, I'm considering some change. I probably should, you know, make some decisions coming up, you know. The next stage is the preparation, and they call that the, okay, so what do I do now? Mm -hmm. I'm there. I arrived at that place. And I'm bringing all these into play because I want to go through each of them with you. And then finally, the next two are, you know, the action stage. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Had enough. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Whatever circumstances happens that makes that light finally go on for us. Because, you know, it's not like we haven't seen the light turn on in the room before when we move. <laughs> and then, you know, then the maintenance, which is kind of where I'm at right now after eight years is this is still possible, but dude, better check under the hood a lot. I want to make sure that the car is still running okay because you don't want to get on a long trip and find out <laughs> we got a problem here. Right. So, Kevin, how did you get here? How did it happen for you? Man, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. It deserves a big answer. Right. Gosh, uh, it's it's kind of crazy to think about the past like five months. I think it's five months to the day yesterday. Mm. I think, give or take, and uh, all the change that's happened in that time. But then I think about the you know fourteen 
some years before that that I was you know using heavily and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's really very heavy to think about as far as like the contrast and how much ground can be covered when you actually do put things into action and it can happen very quickly and good things can happen because of that it's tough to like not be sad about like all the times before where i felt like man i i knew i had a problem pre-contemplation and contemplation went back and forth between those stages for a long time like knowing okay i have a problem but I could not imagine a life, and I refused to imagine like a life or a lifestyle or any sort of situation for me where I wasn't drinking and doing drugs. Right. To me, it was like a fear of missing out thing. I was like, I'm not going to be the same person. Right. I'm not going to have the same friends. Right. I'm not going to you know, be able to kind of deal with um, the internal problems that I was dealing with. Yeah. You know, To yeah. me, it was... It was very naive, but like I could not, and I refused to imagine an alternative. You mentioned 14. I was struck by that because that means at some point you said, when did it start? When did it start? Oof. What was that moment where you said, okay, I might've been playing around before, mm-hmm. but 14 years ago, this was going on and that's where your marker is. Yeah. You know? I say, yeah, 14 years. I'm 32. So I say like 18 is really kind of when I started uh, ramping it up, you know, like beyond experimentation. Right. I liked getting intoxicated and I liked just kind of who I was in that state because for me it was a hell of a lot easier than being myself because I've always sort of been at odds within myself. I mean, going back to childhood, as long as I can remember, there's always been this battle going on and there still is where internally I feel like I'm a very shy person and that I'm very sensitive, very emotional, insecure, always. Mm. And my way of, of dealing with that, even at a very young age, was to try and be the entertainer, try and control social situations the best I could by being sort of a character in a way, to mm. pr- present a version of myself that was anything but right. insecure, right. you know, and, and try to mute that internal sort of monologue of that it's overanalyzing every social situation I've ever been in, which I'm still probably doing, you know? Do you remember the first time you caught a buzz? First time I caught a buzz. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I remember being, well, I remember being in school as a little kid. The first buzz I really caught was being that entertainer and seeing the reactions of people and being like, that to me was a drug. Right. And it's in itself. But like, you know, being that person then and you know later on it took a toll on me like inside because it was hard for me to kind of be that gregarious person all the time Mm. so over time you know like getting into high school and stuff that's when you know i started smoking weed and kind of like it made being in front of people easier you know and like you know have a few beers at like a a party or something like that like the inhibitions of course as we all know like Mm. they get reduced and you get more relaxed and to me I liked being that person because to me it was it was easier to be the entertainer. Did you know those kids and did you seek them out? Because I can think of certain kids I knew like they're partying. Yeah, know? no, th- that's exactly right. Because I the more that like school went on, especially high school, like I knew a lot of people. But, like, I wasn't really close to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I was becoming more right. and more isolated. And, like, and it was my own doing. But, yeah, like, I sought out the kids who were going to the park and getting high after school 
because it was just I don't know it was to me seemed easier than like making real friends right. I guess you know and then yeah so yeah I did kind of seek that out and I, I sought out kids who were maybe like a little more on the edge right. because that's kind of where I felt and I felt like maybe there was a kinship there because I felt like they were going through maybe the same thing right. I don't really right. know because did you smoke cigarettes then oh yeah okay was, yeah. was cigarettes first Cigarettes were first, yeah. Right, so yeah. there's a study going on right now uh-huh. that says, oh, yeah, marijuana is not the gateway drug. You know what the gateway drug is? Nicotine. Jack. I could see that. Nicotine. That's where the dopamine reward system got like, whoa, what, yeah. what? And then all of a sudden you got something activated. It's like, whatever that feeling is, I want to do that again. What do you got? What do you got? What do you right. got? What do you got? What do you got? I was probably in 10th grade the first time I, right. I smoked cigarettes. I didn't like it, man. It's, it tasted bad. Yeah, I'm, st- I'm still, you know, go back and forth with them. Yeah. And which, which sucks. I but- dig it. You know, I mean, so, it, it is one of those things. But yeah, that was that was first, and then. But the kids who were smoking cigs, is, you know, like we were ditching school and hanging out in the parking lot, and like you know, somebody has some weed, like kind right. of thing. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. that simple. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was like, well, I'm already smoking, you know. And, and weed then, was so easy to find; everybody had it. Especially weed you know, was so easy to find, and it was so crappy. <laughs> I know, right? Like, oh, I was just talking with somebody about this, like you know, stems and seeds. Does anybody remember stems and seeds? Yeah. You know? Now I don't want to be a trigger for anybody, but dude, I can tell you how many pairs of like really cool brand new jeans. I'm like, man, what happened? With you wake up the next right. day, like, why did I get that burn hole in there, man? What the, right, what right. the, you know? <laughs> so okay, so fast forward a little bit to yeah. that point where you go, whoa. Whoa! Your first time you go, what happened? What just happened? That was not mm-hmm. the buzz. That was like, whoa! Last night, some crazy stuff went down, and now I'm aware that there was a different room we were in last night with getting high. It was a different place, and just kind of copping a beer buzz or smoking some cigs, mm-hmm. or maybe somebody had some weed. Where was the moment where you said, "Oh, I'm ge- I'm getting skilled at this stuff now"? Mm, man. I'm getting skilled at it. I right? don't know. Probably sometime in around like 19, 20 years old yeah. when I started kind of ramping it up. And by that point, I was well in bands yep. and, and doing that yep. that whole thing. Yep. So what and was you the talk drug? About like, what was the drug? What, what, what was the drug? They, 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 they were like, oh, I'm trying that. LSD. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I, it just was one of those things. I was hanging out with like weed smokers yeah. and yeah. music people. And then like it was like acid seemed yeah. kind of like the next yeah. because you can't sort go of to thing. Make, you, can't go to, you can't go to make a decent and kill your buzz with acid. You know, what I mean? <laughs> with it? you know, I had some beer. I had no, some, that's I had a commitment. Some, I had some weed. Yeah. Let's just go get some, let's go get some Mickey D's. We'll be cool, man. We'll go right. home and everybody, right? Give me some, you got any, you got any like eye stuff, man? We'll go, you got, no. No, right. when you're at that level, for me, cocaine. Cocaine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, when, when that started happening, it was like, I'm in with a different group of players. Right. Now. I hit the pros. I didn't get in with, like, cocaine people until later. But the first time I did cocaine almost was in tandem with, like, experimenting with LSD. Mushrooms were kind of involved. And, like, I was getting to this point where, like, I was like, yeah, psychedelics. And, like, right. And yeah. I was in a very creative mode at the time. I was in a band that was doing well. Like, I, w- I was able to go to a mall and buy one of my own CDs, but I was not old enough to buy a beer in one of my own shows. Crazy. So, like, I was in this Crazy. place where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to be creative. And also at the same time, trying to mask the fact that, like, it was really tough for me to be around people. I was really insecure yeah. with that. So, yeah. I mean, but, like, drugs helped immensely with that because it was, it just kind of gave me this sort of, confidence and ability to be like this character that eventually people came to like kind of expect of me and so and to me it was it's it goes back to like the drug of you know eliciting reactions from people and drugs made that 
easier to obtain like reactions to people because I felt like I could be I don't know that like yeah. dark partying sort of yeah. sort of character yeah there was a period there where the psychedelics became like kind of a like a big thing yeah. and then I wasn't even like really drinking a whole lot at that point but like as things became more like difficult for me like emotionally and like trying to learn how to like deal and be around people and the toll that it took on me that's when like drinking came in to play mm. especially when i when i turned of mm. age when i was like i can just go to the store and buy this like this is, right. this is incredible right my using was like you know like when you're a kid and you're walking on like little like stone fence and you can walk and you're kind of like you whoa, whoa, almost fell almost <laughs> fell but you can keep going you keep that's going. what using was for me through my 20s uh-huh. where like you know Almost, almost yeah. fell, almost bad. Whoa, whoa! But I, and even if I did fall, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad, right? Yeah. But what was the first time you thought, "All right, jackpot"? I'm. I was using, and I got into some serious, mm. serious trouble. Was it the popo? You get in trouble? Yeah, with the popo? I got jammed up when I was okay. twenty-one years old because at at that point, like when when I started like j- pretty much drinking every day, yeah, that's when other things became acceptable as well. And like, I was, wasn't really shy to not try anything. You know I mean? I was getting my hands on like Vicodin and, you know, mm. and like Percocet, and like pain pills mm. and that kind of thing. Mixing the, up chemicals. Mix, mixing, oh my God. Mixing yeah. them up. Man. Mixing them up. Making cakes. Making cakes. <laughs> right. But you I know. got jammed up. Yeah. When I was, was 21 on just stupid stuff where like, I wasn't even involved in a, in a situation. There was an altercation that I decided to like enter in bar thing. Which I decided to interject myself in. Cops kind of show up. I got snotty we have with great, the cops. We have great judgment right. when we're all blasted, brother. Right. You know and I mean? then I don't remember most of this situation, but mm-hmm. I got mean to the cops. Then I'm, I wake up in a drunk tank. But I had pills on me, right? Oh. So, like, that's, that's a felony situation. Oh. So I wake up, you know. In like a drunk tank. I'm 21, 22 years old, and like I was already kind of having a lot of problems in my life as far as like couldn't hold relationships down. I had no direction, that kind of thing. It was rough. I was very fortunate to evade serious trouble in that situation. Did a program that was able to, you know, got the felony thing reduced. To me, that was still not enough of, like, it was, it was like you describe on the fence, like, oh, I almost fell, but it was, I, I just kind of continued on my way once I got out of trouble, right. did the program I needed to do, which was like a diversion-type program, and got out of that, and then I was scot-free. So well, here's, like, the, here's the real question. Did you ever, at that point in time when you got into trouble, consider, like, man, I need to quit? There was, I think, an internal voice that was, like, Maybe you need to quit, but then it was always trumped by the fact that, like, I couldn't imagine any other life. So, but you were in a diversion program. Didn't you come across people that were sober there? Like, thinking, hey, man, let me show you. You know, being messed up isn't cool, and you can live sober. Tons. Right. But I wasn't listening. Right. I didn't care. I didn't Why do you care. think that was? Because I just wanted to get out of trouble. Right. That's all it was. Right. If I get past this, mm-hmm. then I'll fine. get it back together. You know what I mean? I, this isn't really, I know I can keep it under control. I'm not really, so you're really kind of still at the pre-contemplation stage. It's not right. really me yet. It's not me yet. No, I'm I not just, really, I was like, I'm jammed jackpot. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is bad luck and all that stuff and I'm in trouble, but it's really, I'm not that guy that, right. so in that mind, if you could go back and talk to that guy, what would you, what do you think he would say 
if he was here right now, what would he say would be somebody that was really in trouble? What was his idea of somebody truly in trouble from drugs and alcohol at that point in time? Did he have an idea? I don't think he had an idea. So yeah, that's it. I, you know what I mean? That's like, it. That, you know? that version of myself did not have any idea. Right. I, I, like, it's hard to kind of put myself back in that place because I just want to go and, like, kick myself in the ass. I know, man. Really? I know. But, which is, you know. You want to go talk to that guy and go, I look. Do. You know? Maybe look. I'd tell him everything in moderation or I would just tell him, like, I wish I could tell him what I know now. I mean, yeah, we all wish. Let's run the movie forward, buddy. Let me tell yeah, you what like, this is going to Let me look tell like. you how bad it does get. Right. So I didn't take that, you know, incident seriously at all. Um, I mean, in the same period of time, like, I got kicked out of the house I was living in with my girlfriend because, mm. like, I was, you know, I was out of control. Yeah. I was, yeah. my behavior was very erratic, and I, I didn't. Was was in no position to like be in a serious relationship. Right. First time I'd ever lived with a chick, right? And I get kicked out of there. Wow. So and like this is all like going on at this time, and it's just like turmoil. And instead of kind of like looking at it for what it was and being like, man, I really need to get it together, I just ramped it up more. Mm. Yeah, you know. And yeah. I got I got more into to using right. and and more into like making that a. Um, a functioning existence. Right. Do you ever remember a moment when you were using where you kind of had that moment of weakness and you said, I need some help. I'm going to go talk to somebody. See, I remember clearly in high school mm-hmm. going to a coach and say, man, I'm getting into some stuff. And it was probably like, you know, you know, go fast pillars or something like that. Yeah. But I was, you know, I was in, Right, yeah, yeah. and I was getting him, and I remember going to him and saying, I, I, "I need, I think I need some help." And all he could do, only tool he had in his toolbox was, "Here's my phone number, mm-hmm. right? Call me." And he didn't have he didn't have the toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember ever at some point? Now we're gonna f- try and fast forward here before we take a break mm-hmm. from twenty one, twenty two <laughs> to thirty two. That's mm-hmm. ten years right. of skill building, brother. Right yeah. out there. Was there ever a moment where you said, "Man, I need some help." I need to talk to somebody. I don't think so. Was there ever anybody that came to you and said, dude, hey, yes, I see what's happening here with you. Yeah. There were, there were like peers and friends of sorts who sober dudes. No, no. The people who like, Hey, I'm worried about you. Oh yeah. And you know, I would acknowledge it. Like, yeah, I'm kind of worried too, but then, you know, do nothing about it. But I never, yeah, no, there was never really a point in that time. Where, yeah, in in that, what, 21, 22 until like now where I felt like, man, maybe I should talk to somebody or anything. I just kind of like tried to hide it the best I could and move on. And I just accepted like this is going to be, this is how I live. This is it. Don't you think there was some of it too when we're rocking in bands and stuff, we kind of look around and go, you know, this is kind of the way it works. I would feel incredibly guilty. Right. Yeah. People kind of do this. We kind of, we get tuned up for, we go on just Mm -hmm. a few, we do this, we do that, we go, and this is where we are. We're in bands, everybody's doing it. We're kind of like, you know, and and I know I'm not supposed to go hard before, but I can Mm -hmm. go hard after, you know, and (laughs) I just got to, I just got to, you know, balance that stuff out and don't start in the day or maybe not too much in the day or maybe like wait till seven. You know what I'm saying? All the time. All this stuff that goes on in our head. Justify it. Right. Any any you know? sort of way. Because I remember like there were groups I'd play in or gigs I'd do where like 
you know, the responsible one would be telling me, he's like, I, I have you on a two beer limit before we play. Right. So, like, right. that's not stop me from getting, like, right. the bucket or a two drink limit, whatever, you know, get right. a bucket of, like, Jack and Coke or something right. like that. You know what I mean? And how many times you show up with sunglasses on, you're looking <laughs> cool, but you're just right. totally And to me, out. it was like, oh, yeah, it was just at the gig. So, like, but on the way to the gig, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have a road pop right. or, you know what I mean? Right. Like, or, right. well, he didn't say anything about weed or he didn't say anything about, right. like, you know, right. this, this bag of Coke that I brought. Right. You know that's what I mean? okay. That's okay. Oh, you just Nobody said two drinks. You know? Nobody mentioned. I would find ways right. to do mental gymnastics to justify what I was doing yeah. throughout for right. every situation. We're going to take a short break now, and we're going to come back with, uh, we're speaking with Kevin McManus, who is 152 days sober today, which is kind of unusual because we don't typically do podcasts with people in early recovery, but Kevin has been very generous to talk about his journey. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. The internet can be challenging to navigate, especially when it comes to podcasts. It can be a cacophony of noise, choices, and information. Some of that information can be legitimate and trustworthy, and some of it can be questionable or even downright synthetic. Who or what can be trusted? And the sheer amount of platforms, where in the world do I go to listen and to absorb information? For the person in recovery, sometimes getting the right advice or help can be the difference between shivering in darkness and stepping out into the light. Recoverytalks.org is a repository easy-to-find place where past episodes of Recovery Talks, the podcast, can be found. All of Mark's in-depth conversations, all the way back to season one, can be found here. Recoverytalks.org. Simple. Easy. Help. Okay, welcome back to Recovery Talks, the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lee Shannon, and we are here with Kevin McManus. Kevin is 152 days sober. We're moving forward, dude. We're moving to the place mm-hmm. where the room is getting smaller, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, the nights and the days, you know, hard telling night from day, I don't know about you, but to me it was just one 24 hours of total messed up stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't a question of I'm going to wait till 5 o'clock, you know what I mean? I'm not, I was that guy that was, you know, just pacing the floor to wait till 5.30 a.m. because the Sunoco at the end of the street oh, yeah. opened up, you know, and I could go down there and pretend I worked at nights or some crazy stuff. Right. Nobody believed me, man. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's it, man. I'd show <laughs> up and, like, even change clothes to look like I'd – and I'd buy the big, great, big, you know, red magnum of some cheap – wine and i would pop that thing in the parking lot and suck it down and spill it and then get home and you know of course when you're drinking red wine really fast guess how that ends up you know what i mean Mm. not good not good you know (laughs) so at some point you're you're at the place where you're saying yep it's me yeah i know it's me I know it's me. And, you know, from my, when I know about your story, you, you reached out to somebody that you knew in the community that said, Hey, um, I know you got this thing going, you Mm -hmm. know, I think I need to get that thing, but tell me about what was happening. You know what I mean? A music musician term. Tell me about eight bars before that. Okay. What was happening before you hit the coerce and, and, and fell down? Right. I knew for a long time that, it, it, again, going back to the you know pre-contemplation and contemplation, I went back and forth for literal years on, man, I, I really have a problem, and then would just kind of erase that. And no matter how many like times I, I 
pushed people away who really loved and cared for me. Relationships, that kind of thing. You know, no matter how many times, like, that happened, I would just start over and do the same thing every time. No matter how many times, like, I nearly, like, lost my life. You know, I can think of instances where I woke up vomiting. Thank God. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Because, of course, I mean, like, that could have been the end of it. Yeah. That happened to me twice. Wow. And still kind of, like, almost laughed it off. Like, well, you know, rock and roll. That's whatever. Yeah, there's so much that falls under that that Mm -hmm. blanket of, hey, man. Yeah. All the times I drove with one eye. Right. Never did it. I mean, like, all, you know, all, like, the the plans that, like, I I canceled because I was too hungover, too drunk. I mean, like. It never like really. I, it's it's and, hard to think of like one moment, but I guess it kind of comes to head, you know. Last uh, September, October, whatever it was, I was driving after a gig, going to another gig, and you know, it's evening, it's late at night. I was hammered, holding. You know what I mean? Mm. And I wiped out my car on the highway. You know. Could have been a horrendous situation. Luckily, I didn't hit anyone else. I hit a wall. You know, I went off the road, trashed my car up pretty good. I told everybody, of course, it was like a hit and run situation. Right, right. You know, lied. You know, like so I've been lying for years and you, years and years. Uh, what happened? Did you get out of the situation? You got out of the car and you were okay? Didn't roll the thing. So, you know, like I kind of, I just wasn't paying attention. Smoke a cigarette, you know, what I don't remember what it was. Went into a wall, went off the road, went back on, nearly rolled the thing, you know, never rolled it. Car's all rickety. I get it off the highway, and like, I was like, whoa, you know, like that's, you know, to me, that was one of the closest calls, or that, like, the the call that finally, like, how much do you want to die? Basically, you ask yourself, right? How much do you want to die? It made me start to think, like, okay. I didn't necessarily like want to die, but I didn't care whether yeah. I lived. Yeah. And that's like where I'd been Same. for a long time. And when I kind of like had that realization, mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And this is like, yeah, like late fall of last year. So I did try like, all right, maybe I'm going to tone it back. You mm-hmm. know, I'll scale it back. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm going to get serious now. Yeah. You yeah. know, you take, you. I'd have a few good days where like, okay, I right. didn't drink or anything I'm not like gonna that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to hang out with that guy. Right. I'm not going to do this I'm like, then. I think I'm done doing coke. Right. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. It's too scary. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, yeah. like maybe I'll just like have a glass of red wine or, you know, whatever. That's all. You know? That's all. Just a little bit. But of course, yeah. you know, as, as you know, I mean, like you get a few days where you're being good, I'll have a drink. You know, to, I got it, I've been good. I, so, I mean, like I earned, I, got this. I earned this one. I got this. You know, I can enjoy mm-hmm. it. But then you know how that extrapolates. Yeah. You have one, then you think, well, I mean, two will be fine. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then you're, you know, you're doing the same stuff as you were before. Yeah. So I tried, you know, tried and tried on my own, like, and w- with with really not really cluing anyone in to what was going on, and maybe like making sort of like vague statements, like bandmates, you know, girlfriend situation, like being like, you know, hey, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm toning it, I'm scaling it back, you know, right. just to kind of make it more real when it wasn't real at all. So you it reached, was all you, happening again. You, you like, reached out. I reached out. Well, it was months until right. after that, that I finally reached out where my, my girlfriend, Jessica, she, you know, she, she kind of saw like, I was, I looked bad Yeah, and I was waking up every day, like horrendously sick in, in the bathroom a lot. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I looked like, bad. I was putting on weight. Yeah, yeah. And I was really just not loving myself. And I wasn't loving her. Yeah. 
you know, I was I was out of control, man, yeah. in in many different regards. And and finally, you know, she's just like, "Look, do you have a problem?" And I say, "Yeah, I do." And like, she's just like, "Okay, I mean, do you want to get help?" And I finally say, like, "Yes." And there's the yes, moment, I do. right? There's that moment. And thank God talk for, about for Jessica for, for you know asking me. She's like, "Do you really want to get help or not?" Because she's like, "I can't watch you kill yourself anymore." Yeah. Yeah. I th- she was the first person in my life that was very close to me to say that, like, I can't watch you kill yourself yeah. anymore. Yeah. Whereas other people, I'm sure, felt that, thought that, maybe conveyed it in other terms, and but, you know, couldn't deal with me anymore yeah. and left. But she was the one who said, I can't watch you kill yourself anymore. It was at that point I called somebody I knew who was very active and uh, uh, visible in the recovery community, yeah. and I said, I'm screwing up. Yeah. And he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to start. So early in recovery, though, a lot of people will say, most medical professionals will say, you got to go into a treatment center to get professionally detoxed. So I know a little bit about your story in that mm-hmm. regard, but that, that wasn't exactly the path you chose. Now, I no. don't make judgments on this podcast, um, and I, being a, um, a certified peer recovery supporter, I recognize that everybody's got to have their own way up the mountain. Mm-hmm. But you must have been sick as you know what yeah. when you first started. Four or five days of, of just, I mean, sick. digestive yeah. distress. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't want to get too crafty. No, 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 dude. I, I, I just had a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, I listened the, to your I know, last I know. show. And yeah. it was like, I was like talking uh-huh. about my first, second day in podcast. It was like, yeah. oh, and I quit pooping myself. Thank God. Right. You know what I mean? And I can say that. It was, it was a lot it was of like, that. Oh, my God. God, your body just says, mm-hmm. "What? Where is that stuff? Give me that, because I don't know what the, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do that." And it's like, right. you know, guess what? We're going to do. We're going to evacuate everything. Right. Everything's gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, that's funny, but it's not. I know. Because, I know. Because I mean, we're having a light moment here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it, but, it's, but it's, it it's really terrifying. it really is. I just remember one of the early times when I tried to do what you did. You mm-hmm. know. Which, by the way, I'm not sure I recommend. But I'm, we're, we're good here because we're here where we are, right? Yeah. But I remember I tried it myself. I was so sick and I called somebody. I'm like, man, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. My urine looks like this. Mm-hmm. He goes, dude, you're trying to detox yourself. I'm like, yeah. yeah, because I don't know how to. I'm scared. I don't know how to do this. My job and my thing, my thing, mm-hmm. my thing. All those things that I wasn't. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't even, There's no book, man. Right. There's no like, I mean, what are you going to look at online? You know, because you're already messed up in the first few days were it was it, a nightmare to me so yeah i didn't i did not go to a facility right i'm telling our listeners don't do that but yeah. you do yeah we're good right we're good man I'm let's just, yeah. let's don't do that let's not do that stay in right. school don't do drugs okay yeah right um, right yeah i did not go that route because yeah there was there there was kind of the the fear that you're describing of like how am i going to like keep my life together well yeah. in in actuality my life shut down for that right. entire time anyway right. work whatever you know, a lot of people talk about, and I, and I, I don't want to say this word, but I'm going to say it. A lot of people talk that there's some kind of change that comes over you when you finally make the turn. And it's almost like it's a spiritual thing where you think, I'm not, I'm not going to be the same anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the... After I come to this place, I'm not the same anymore. And there's a turn. Because mm-hmm. I know that something, what happened to me in detox at St. Thomas Hospital, even though I didn't stay sober after that, right. I wasn't the same. You know, I just, the, mm-hmm. whatever it was, whoever Mark was after that was different. Is that kind of what happened to you? Did you find that once you made that turn and you had those 
few days of like sick pooping with all this stuff, mm-hmm. just terrible feelings. Do you think that Kevin was never that guy again? Do you think that guy is? I there was almost you? yeah. I I think so. So you get by that first few. Mm-hmm. The early, what I call the first few miles, man. It's running rough. Detox? It's well, what well, could be. Yeah. I mean, that was, you, that's you basically, felt like several miles in itself. You basically, you're telling your brain, yeah. you don't get that anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't get that brain. And your your brain fights you. And what that's called is post-acute withdrawal. And the symptoms are, are I mean, it's, you know, inability to solve problems, inability to think clearly, mm, inability to concentrate, yeah. sometimes rigid and repetitive thinking, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, you know, uh, stress. Mm-hmm. You're not managing emotions the same way without the drugs in your body because your drugs in your body kind of kept that stuff at bay baby you know what i mean it's yeah you know and very true you know understanding and recognizing those symptoms are the way the brain affects the body is the number one reason why most people relapse because they get to the point where they go i don't want to feel this way anymore i'm just going to use it Mm -hmm. i'm just going to use them drink i'm just going to drink i'm just going to drink i'll just have one just have one you know that doesn't work you know so you get past let's go to 30 days you know Mm -hmm. and you're starting to feel like you're starting to feel like man i got 30 days under my belt It'd been a long time since you'd had 30 days, wasn't it? There'd never been a time. Right. Since in, in my entire adult life, there was never, not even close. So you to never like days. had to like, you know, do an insurance thing or something like that. We had to like, you know, because no. I, I remember a couple of times I had to like, oh, I can't smoke. I can't do nothing because nope. I got the insurance because I got life, whatever. Right. Just I've never had a job that like, you know really required me to right. at you least, you know, close. You didn't have to drop. So you were good. Never. Right? So right. I, I never... I, you know, my career paths don't really, you know, require that kind of thing. So, and I relished in that, but like mm. 30 days, it was, yeah, no, that there, that had never happened, but I was mm. in a recording studio when I even hit 30 days. I know. I remember so, talking to yeah. you about that. Like, dude, I'm going to go make a record now. <laughs> well, what was, what was interesting, you want to talk about early recovery. That's crazy. You so know. like, obviously, yeah, I, I did not go facility route to detox if i could do it again i probably would because yeah. it, was, it was terrifying mm-hmm. but you know managed to get through that again don't recommend doing that i really you know i mean you talk about like doing everything differently and processing everything differently i had a period of time where i did that and then within a matter of weeks i went back to the the thing that i knew would like was kind of true in my life because mostly it was a curiosity of Am I going to be able to still perform and play? Am I going to Am I going to enjoy it? Am right. I going to suck? Right. You know, what's this going to be like? Am I going to be able to get through this? So I just kind of jumped back into that because I was hoping that that could be like a steady thing that I could focus on a mission. As you put it, you told me, you're like, okay, you're on a mission now. Yeah, man. So I went right back into the studio. My first show back as a sober person no less than like a week after I hit like 30 days I think it was maybe a couple weeks after I hit 30 days no big deal just like a festival in front of a thousand people (laughs) that's not a big deal man there's no stress there I was terrified right pretty stressed out because I mean like I wasn't able to do the thing that again going back to like being in front of people and being that entertainer I wasn't able to to reach to you know drugs or drinking to try and give me that confidence and that motivation that had been giving me like that boost for all these years and it ended up being fine yeah you know what i mean like once i got out there yeah i was just like i was like just felt good and i was i hear better now i play better now and i'm a better i think band member and then you know 
obviously in real life, you know, friend, partner, son, brother. So let's move forward to where we are. What are the the go-to get you through days? Because you and I have talked a couple times. Mm-hmm. I've said, dude, how you doing? You're like, I'm a little itchy. I'm a little itchy. Oh, yeah. I get scratchy, itchy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what are the things you do? Mind you now, we, we haven't talked about 12-step stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. We haven't talked about it, even though, you know, there's been some stuff that you and I have shared, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, we both have the, the, the common interest in, you know, the Buddhist approach to recovery, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how you do those things and some of the practices we do. Not an AA thing, which is okay, because that's not the only way you can do it. Right. You know, and I want to say that to our listeners, there's a lot of ways up the mountaintop, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I find that people who only believe there's one way, I don't know if I always agree with that. Right. I mean, I believe that people believe I do that. Yeah. I believe in the power of belief. But I also know that at some point you've got to try your own own things. And sometimes like being a guitar player, you got to go to different teachers to really get, you know, what you learned. You know, got to work with different producers to make great records. Sometimes it's a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do different things at different times. But where you are right now, what could you tell our listeners and our viewers right now about, you know, what are the go-to get you through things that, that Kevin will do when it's like, dude, um, kind of itchy scratchy today. I need to do something. The kind of going along with this, what's helped me tremendously is talking to a psychiatrist, you know, and kind of getting to the root of things mm. as far as usage is concerned. And yeah, I have a panic disorder, so mm. that kind of it all comes full full circle in a way as like kind of the character and the entertainer I've been as right. a means of coping. Yeah, is sort of a result of of right. internal. Panic. So common, So dealing with that, talking with a mental health professional has been super beneficial to me because that that helps in the long term. But as far as like the short term, like I'm feeling like, you know, I'm itching because there some days are way easier than others. Some days are really freaking hard. A big thing is trying to stay connected with other people who are going through the same thing because they get it. I can call and be like, man, I was walking down the street. I take walks a lot now. Like, that's my thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, in my neighborhood and city, like I'll walk, you know, two miles without breaking a sweat and just because listen to music, that kind of thing helps a lot. Yep. But I'll, like, I'll call someone and be like, man, I was walking, I smelled somebody smoking weed earlier. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and it tastes bad. I know, man. Yeah. I know. And I, yeah. I'm sorry, but I smell weed everywhere now. Right. And, you know, everywhere. It's, it's not skunks. No. no it's, it's like, you're, you're riding on the road, it's like, it used to be like, oh, yeah. look, somebody hit a skunk. No. Yeah. It's somebody blazing up that stuff in their car yeah. right ahead of well, you. Well, my senses work right. better now that I'm Isn't not Isn't that a crazy? Drunk, you know what I mean? You can hear, you can I see. I can hear, can hear. Yeah. Yes. What about sleeping, man? How's sleeping going for you? It's gotten so much better because really? a big thing about I, I in hindsight one of the reasons that I used and drank so much was so that I could sleep and it was mm. terrible sleep mm. horrible mm. you know what I mean but like I had you know recurring like night terrors and inability to to sleep mm. at all so I mean like I'd have to you know take benzos and drink yeah so just to yeah pass out to black out i mean totally but it was always terrible but now i sleep pretty consistently and it's pretty good right and like i wake up you know feeling rested oftentimes without an alarm clock because i'm i'm very fortunate to have a schedule where i kind of get to do whatever i want it's pretty cool right 
But yeah, no, I'm getting. But that can also be a stressor too, dude. It can be a because you have to be in charge of everything. So all the things you're saying to me really reflect back on an article that I recently came across. Mm -hmm. Um, They were trying to determine why a certain people in a certain village in a Mediterranean uh, village were able to live so much longer than everybody else. And they came up with three basic things. Obviously, it was a rocky, hilly place. You had to walk and exercise. You had, mm. The only way to get around was you had to be active. You had to move, the thing you were talking about. That's something that I also feel was a big contributor to me. Right. And that the replacing you know, the stuff that I used to do with just the really positive exercise really worse me. The other thing was just nutrition and rest from walking around yeah. all the time. You know, and the third thing is social connection because mm-hmm. it's a small community everybody works together they're all connected all yeah. the time but those three things you know exercise nutrition sleep right. and social emotional connections those are the things that they think that's what makes people live longer because it lowers stress and stressor is a mother you know what man. Mm-hmm. it just kills us it just kills us it really can you know so what are you doing today to, to relieve your stress I mean because this podcast is really stressful isn't it dude I mean no, you gotta I sit there with a the host man you know and he's like no. looking at you I'm looking at you like, <laughs> like you know, it's not the first time I've done know. an interview in this room you well, know what that's I mean? right you know because we are at 91.3 the summit we are. You know what I mean yeah honestly right. I, I I don't see this as a stressful situation I, I like I'm playing going you, to the but yeah. to your point though I'm connecting with right other oh yeah you're so stressed connecting with other people who are going through the same thing because we've all been there, you know? And I Mm. think that a great piece of advice I got literally the day I called to get help was I was told that myself and the situation that I had developed myself, it was not special. Mm. And I was not special (laughs) because of that. You know what I mean? And it's like, Oh my God! Yeah, you're there are special. so many people special, who yeah. deal with the same I know, I know. exact thing. So c- the connection yeah. aspect yeah. is really huge. So yeah. what I'm doing today, I consider a part of that connection so, aspect. Yeah. As we wind down for the last few minutes of this podcast, so you're out as a sober person, man. You're out, you know, and that means you're talking about it. And mm-hmm. You're telling people, no, 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 I don't do that stuff anymore. It's you know a level I mean? of accountability for yeah. myself. Yeah. I haven't been too too public with it. Right. The people like right. in my music circles are aware of it, and right. I've made you know changes in that regard to like be in situations where it's safe. So what made you decide me. to go on a podcast and, and go out into the world? Because this goes out everywhere, bro. What, what made you decide to do that? You know, <laughs> Number people, one, I was asked by a good friend. Well, there you it. go, man. You know, Number two. Because I'm going to make you feel guilty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Number two, yeah. like I said before, I think it's, you know, for me, it, 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 it adds another layer of accountability. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, Putting the armor on, man. You're, right. you're, it's like going to the gym and moving up in weight. I do it? think, yes. Yeah. And I do think that also maybe it could help somebody. That's it. You know what Isn't I mean? It? I'm five months into this whole thing. Yeah. It's yeah. not real deep at this point. But, I mean, yeah. to me, it does feel like, you know, a tremendous gulf of time compared to where I was at before. So I think it it, it helps me and maybe it can help other people. And it's just good to talk about it with other people who have been there. 
So we're talking to Kevin McManus, who's 152 days sober. And brother, I have a feeling this is going to continue for you because of the way your confidence is coming through to me and your energy coming. So what's up next for you, man? What's up next? I mean, you got <laughs> a bunch of tour dates coming up, you know? Yeah, record real in the busy. fall, you know what I mean? And I you think that, yeah, the record early next year. Right. But right. for now, going to be touring a lot. How can people follow you so they can follow your sobriety journey? Do you, like, you want to do your socials and stuff like that? I know, right? I would follow the the groups that I play and that you mentioned at the top gotcha. of the show. So the shootouts, yeah. right. the Buffalo Riders, um, right. the outside voices, which recently uh, went into hiatus, but we mm-hmm. will be back. Yeah, yeah, of course. But um, yeah. yeah, no, um, I'm just, you know, I'm happy to be alive, man. I'm happy to be here and still doing the, the thing that I love to do, which is uh, playing music and also living. So... It's, well, man, it's good, man. Thank you for for coming on this podcast. Thanks for having and, me. And this is the very first edition we're doing. Uh, we're doing uh, audio and video, so uh, we're not really sure how this is going to look. But I'm I'm sure that Kevin will look good. But the reality of it is, is that you know, you by doing, I know, man, I don't look bad. You, you know? look good. That's not terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, the reality of this is that we're just two guys that are really just, <laughs> you know, just bearing the truth and saying, yeah, it it can happen that mm-hmm. you can get well it can happen right and i think that one of the stigmas that is associated with especially musicians in recovery is people have this idea about us like um well you know you you got to have a drink to play you got to get high to play and i got to tell you at the top Mm. level where i'm seeing things go on uh, like last week i got to open up a really cool big show ain't nobody getting high at blossom music center by the way but i'm just saying ain't nobody no man ain't nobody tuning up before those shows no No one it wasn't even in the wildest imagination of any of those performers that they should do that because that's not it when you get to that level Mm -hmm. you don't do that I, i say to people you know and recently you and i've talked about you know i saw somebody do a rec release and they walked on stage mm-hmm. and they had three fingers of whiskey in their hand and i'm saying i wouldn't show up at work like that no i wouldn't show up at work like that that's that not how i would do it a big thing you know? for me was i wanted to i wanted to step my my game up and right. i was sick of the reputation that i had developed for myself yeah, where, well, you're like, changing that stuff I'm, I'm changing it's it. it i mean the, the word is going out to this podcast and i just want to thank uh, Kevin McManus, one more time for being on this podcast, uh, and you've been listening uh, uh, to Recovery Talks, the podcast. This will be, um, geez, our early fifties of of podcasts. I can't believe we did this many of these things. Um, but you know, for all our listeners out there, please stay tuned because we're going to do more. We're going to do more of this and put them up on on different different formats as we go forward. Do more video, but please stay tuned to the next episode that features people on the front lines in recovery. Uh, I call the lantern holders and the lighthouses and until then everybody let's uh, stay connected stay mm-hmm. standing and uh, steady on right on thank you brother thanks man